Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Is there pain ahead for risk assets? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Dale Pinkart, Head of Trader Development at TradeGate Hub. Hi, Dale. It's great to see you. Great to be back with you, Maggie. I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you. I know last time I was, uh, Dale was on with us, I was struggling, but Dale was not because it turns out if you've been paying attention on Twitter, he's been answering some of you. We went through a whole bunch of things. I think it was February 7th, if I'm not mistaken, went through, through right. a whole bunch of different scenarios and so many of them have been playing out. Um, so we really appreciate you for that. And we have a lot of questions already. You guys are on fire. I love it. Um, and And one of them is, I hope you touch on what happened, why there was a reversal in share prices today. So we had a choppy session for any of you who missed it. U.S. stocks traded higher, then they sold off, then they rallied into the close. But you could just sort of feel the market looking for direction. I suspect some technicals were involved in that too. Uh, so as we look at where we're settling, you know, pretty decent gains, nothing crazy, but the Nasdaq up three quarters of a percent, uh, the S&P up about a half a percent. It managed to snap a four-day losing streak. So let's start with equities, Dale. What are you looking at when it comes to the S&P and why did we see all this churn today, but ultimately a reversal? Okay, well, if you recall the last interview, the theme was the February break <clears throat> and the S&Ps were the last to join mm -hmm. in the February break. And we're holding this 4,000 psychological level. To me, 3,900 is bigger because that would negate the breakout that we had. And under 3,900, um, I think you could be looking at uh, 36 in a heartbeat. So that's a bigger area. Today, I'm just going to say that we're bouncing after a pretty good decline. I mean, we got up to 4,160 down towards this uh, uh, 3,980. So for us to bounce maybe back to 4,050, 41 uh, would not do anything to upset the downtrend that we're in now. So, so, do, I, so it does it still feel like a downtrend? Yeah, it does. And, you know, yeah. <clears throat> to me, it, uh, it looks like uh, we could end up with what they call a reversal month. Last month, if you take a candle, everyone listening to me, you put up your monthly chart and you look at your monthly chart and you have an, a range for the month that was inside the previous month's range. And then early in the month, we took out that high and the previous month's high. We were almost at 4,200, and now we're lower on the month by 80 handles or so. Uh, it would take a close back over 4090 by this Friday to negate the two-week reversal signal I got last week. So I have to give it, even though it's a nice bounce, 
I have to give it the benefit of the doubt that there's more left. I think 3920 is a bigger test. So we're going to we're going to all sort of mark that and pay close attention to that. And that's why we asked, is there more pain ahead for risk assets? Because, you know, we're getting this question a lot. Everyone's looking for that, you know, to finally put the bear market behind. And it, are we on the start of something new or is this just another one of those rallies within this larger downturn that you're talking about? By the way, well, Joel, it could be it could be Maggie. I, I mean, we could hold right. thirty nine hundred. And rally the previous highs are 42, and we could go to 4,300 into March and then fail and have the big break. So, as you were mentioning, a lot of people are saying these are difficult markets. Mm -hmm. It's because what you have to do is be tactical in these markets. You don't marry positions or opinions or narratives, you trade tactically. That means you date or occasionally get engaged to a position, but don't marry it. And also taking partial profits and being happy with uh, not hitting home run balls all the time, more critical than ever. Absolutely. And, and listen, if there's a theme through this week, it has been that advice coming from all of you that have really been in the markets a long time, or we talked about Jared or Michael yesterday, you today, you know, everyone, and some of them have very contrary views, but the one thing they're saying is, I'm not sure, I don't, I, you know, be careful, don't overtrade, make sure you, you know, you keep, your, stay nimble, you know, protect keep yourself. Keep an open mind. Keep, keep an, an open, open mind. mind. Like, for example, I'm a little bit negative. The dollar still, I don't believe this is an important low, but it does look uh, the way the euro's giving up ground begrudgingly, that we could have a one, two day pop, I would use that as a selling opportunity. So if I was short and we made new lows recently in euro um, and the dollar is broken out over 104, you should be taking profits from some of your long dollar, short euro, short cable positions, and then put them back out on a rally. Uh, and that way, you know, it's not all or nothing on those trades and your psychology improves when you put something in the bank because then you feel you have a cushion to accept the risk of the next trade. I always feel better when I put something in the bank for sure. Yeah. Uh, Dale, I, I until we have bail-ins. I, 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 I want to. Uh, I, I want to. I'm going to dig. I want to talk a little bit more about currencies too. I do want to. I want to sort of go through though because I think stocks and bonds are giving such different messages. I want to hear what you have to say about bonds before we do anything though. Joel says, "Love that shirt. Check out that shirt. Looking sharp." That you, what'd you tell me it was called? America it was in called distress. America in distress, and uh, I think that we're going to feel some of that this summer. Oh, okay. So there's a even the shirt. Even the shirt has a message. I love it. So let's talk about let's talk about bonds because so we we saw a stock rally again to the close, but we saw bond yields going down again. Sort of move, you know the market's moving in the same direction. What are you looking at when you're looking at the ten year yield? Okay, well, uh, last interview on the 7th, I've shaded the area and I was talking about that people were wrong-footed on yields and the market's come a long way in a couple of weeks to the view of higher for longer, probably just in time for yields to soften up again. When I was here, I had targets, we were trading about 356, I had targets around 380 to 390. So we've actually exceeded my targets. Uh, we are diverging a, a bit up here. And uh, I wouldn't be 
shorting bonds right now. Okay, and uh, we could have a pullback in the, the 10-year yield, maybe back to 360. And I, I'm trying to think of what would be the event that would cause yield to drop, and maybe it's going to be a good inflation number. But I think if we take out 3,900 in the S&Ps and we have a sharp drop under that, that that could be the event for yields to come down, uh, that bonds behave like they used to and act as a hedge mm -hmm. against uh, falling risk assets and equities. So that we had a, an equity breakdown, yields would come down and maybe test the breakout at 350. Interesting. That would be, you know, this is this would be contrary to everyone saying the 60-40 is dead, right? Yeah, it would be. And we've had a, you know, the TLT did not make new lows. Um, so, you know, it's holding. I thought we'd go to 98. We've been at par. I'm not saying that today is a day, but uh, we are in the zone where uh, yields uh, could begin to drop. And that should be good for things like metals. Uh, uh, the yield play, I think, is part of the reason that we had a decline in the gold and silver and recently S&Ps. Um, so uh, it may actually favor some risk assets. What's going to be interesting is if yields fall and it doesn't propel stock prices, then Houston, we've got a problem. And yeah, the narr exactly. narrative will shift from inflation to growth. And uh, I, I think that's what the market faces next. Wait, that's a really I just want to I, I just want to sort of stop and absorb that because that's a really, really important point, because right now we've been having a scenario where uh, the you know, if we see softness or if we see falling inflation, it's the Fed's going to pivot, the Fed's going to pause. It's kind of been based on the, on the monetary policy side of it. And you saw a positive response. Bad news was good news for stocks. But this is different now. At some point, there will be a shift. And I've been thinking a lot about this. There will be a shift where that's not the case anymore. And it's the growth concern. That's really right. important. Right. Uh, the earnings compression that hasn't happened. You know, we have to accept that we're in a new paradigm. The whole market's still waiting for 2020 again, for the Fed put, for the Fed pause, for QE, and that's over. And, you know, it's really a shock that we've had uh, from zero to 5%. And the tide has not gone out, but there are going to be victims. Uh, in fact, uh, I was bringing up to you before the show uh, some smart guy that I know is very concerned about the shadow banking system. And the reason for his concern is back during the housing crisis or the Great Recession, the shadow banking system was about half as large as our commercial banking system. And now it's 1.5 times larger than the commercial banking system. And uh, that's people like BlackRock. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, as far as I can remember, they actually needed a bailout and brought in a partner when they were in trouble a year ago. Uh, you know, these empty office buildings, some REITs are um, not letting people trade or liquidate. So there are going to be some casualties on a more than quadrupling of financing whatever endeavor uh, or business is an ongoing concern. Absolutely. And we saw headlines about about some of those defaults starting to happen. Um, this yeah. is the, 
you know, for people, for our regular viewers, you remember Peter Bookfar a week ago on Friday talking to us about the reality of that rate set. Anybody who's yeah. been in, you know, still in those low interest rate loans when they have to go and and borrow more, whether you're a small business, a consumer buying something, anyone using any kind of credit, that reset is going to be painful and difficult, not to mention what's happening in mortgages. I think we had a headline today that mortgages we're up once again today. So if you're somebody who's going to buy a house and you can't wait it out, yeah, U.S. mortgage rates climbed for the third straight week, reaching 65%. Okay. So yeah, and you go to countries like Canada and Australia and Great Britain, most of their citizens do not have mortgage rates locked at 3%. Right. Like most Americans, they went with variables and the cost of their mortgage has gone up exponentially. So the crisis may not be as bad in the U.S. because it's going to take a depression for people to want to walk away from a 3% mortgage. And uh, even if their house isn't worth as much as it was at the peak. Yeah, so, and that, that's really concerning. By the way, everybody... Check out the interview with Nancy Davis. A lot of what we're talking about are just understanding the risks related in these credit markets, even the mortgage markets. They are very complicated when you're talking about them as investment vehicles. A lot of this stuff is in a lot of funds. So you need to take a look at what you're holding, even if you think you're holding something that's relatively safe, relatively short duration, not always the case. We walk you through all that. Really worth checking that out. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's interesting we're talking about this growth, uh, you know, the, the potential shift to focusing on growth and on the economy. Uh, we have a very important inflation number out tomorrow, PCE, something the Fed pays close attention to. And in uh, Andreas is in the latest Steno Signals, my colleague Andreas' show, he's been looking at the data that really sparked this repricing in the Fed longer that we saw really take place through February. And it was the strong payroll, the high inflation readings, right. uh, strong retail sales. And he went through and took a look at that and, and is not really sure the picture they painted was accurate. I want to play a clip from that. Let's have a listen. Even though we see rising PMIs, even though we've seen positivity surrounding equity markets so far this year, my early indicator of recessions is still sort of flashing red for the second half of this year. This is an indicator built on a very thorough study of lead lack patterns of some of the key economic variables in the US economy, the yield curve, credit spreads, housing markets, etc. And when we put it all together in a probability weighted model and adjust this model for the best fit to actual recessions happening in history, then we get a warning signal of in an above 50% probability of a recession commencing in Q3 
2023 in the U.S. economy. And you can hear Andreas's full explanation around his thinking in that latest episode. It's on our website. Take advantage of this special offer and just scan the QR code and become a member. You can check out Nancy's interview as well. So, Dale, this is, you know, I think this is the worry that, you know, maybe we're going to get this recession in the second half of the year. I think what's tripping people up is the question of whether it's priced into equities or not, whether it's priced into risk assets or not. It sounds no like way. you don't think it is. No way. So it's not priced in. Uh, when I look at Andre's clip, I'm a technician. Mm -hmm. So I looked at his chart and his extension into March, which could make sense. Maybe the market holds together till then. Um, I would be selling that chart. It looks like a, you know, a retracement move. And interesting on his June time frame, because uh, some people I know think credit events will begin in June. And you know what else is going to happen in June? We're going to run out of uh, money using emergency contingency mm -hmm. orders to service our debt in the U.S. And everyone, here's the consensus opinion. They'll be theatrics, but at the end, they're going to raise the debt ceiling. And that's a unanimous opinion. And you know what I've learned? That in bull markets, anything that can go wrong doesn't. And in bear markets, anything that go, could go wrong does. And if they drag it out, they don't have to default for us to suffer another downgrade by Moody's or credit rating agencies. And as the economy starts to slow and then confidence because of that comes in uh, during the June period. In fact, someone I respect is looking for a crash low in July. So, uh, you know, that, uh, that scenario with its timing for the economy to start rolling over is coincident with uh, credit events possibly in June and the U.S. government running out of ways to continue to service the debt without a clean debt ceiling raise. And I, I think it'd be a kind of a, a sign of the times that besides all the problems we have that uh, have happened through mismanagement, central planning, uh, deficits that we could end up having a recession with a self-inflicted wound, like a default or a delay to get it done. Wow. So that's, uh, I, 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 somehow whenever you come on, Dale, we have a t-shirt. Uh, that was, that's a, that's something that we really should remember that. What was it in a bear bull market? Nothing goes wrong in a bear, in a bear market. Everything in goes a, wrong. In a bull market, anything that could go wrong doesn't. In a bear market, Anything that could go wrong does. It's so true. And by the way, uh, one of our viewers, Trillionex, just pointed out, oh, what else happens in June? Potentially BOJ yield curve control. We've got new policymakers moving in. Right. It is It is always the conflict. It's very rarely one thing. It's usually yeah. a multitude of things that happen at a, at, at, with bad timing lining up that creates a liquidity event, right? I mean, that's yeah. uh, where everybody runs for the exits at the same time or everyone's Confluence. looking. To, yeah, that's really Confluence worrying. of events in June tying in with what Andreas said. Very plausible in my view. Right, which doesn't mean that we're saying it's going to happen, but it is, these are the, everything's always probabilities, right? You're trying to game out the probabilities and make sure that you're protected for them, especially right. the risks. And that's what this, that's what this is about. You know, if that is the case, then you don't want to get out over your skis when you potentially have it, have that 
you know, that looming in front of you. We've got some people asking about gold. I want to go back to gold for a second because we, we rifled through a couple things quickly and I just want to make sure that we, we understand it. So Michael Cow was on with us yesterday and he, he was sort of, you know, um, raised a really interesting point saying, I have a hard time with gold. I struggle with gold because I, I can't tell whether central banks will be buyers or sellers. You know, especially if you have something happen, if you have an event, if you have, you know, uh, any kind of country under pressure, we've still got a war raging in Europe. You know, will people be forced to sell their gold holdings as opposed to be buying them because they want to diversify out of the dollar? Unclear to him, hard to game out. He called it a chameleon, I think, trade. Um, what are you looking at for gold? What are some of the levels that we should be watching? And do you think that we, for anyone who may have missed the, that comment at the top, do you think we are going to resume an upward trend in gold. Okay, so if you see the shaded area, <clears throat> I was talking about gold and silver. We're going to continue to decline silver to about 21, which I think we're a heartbeat away. And uh, I showed the GDX, the shaded area, we're about 31. And I said lower prices, if people took it seriously, uh, they saved themselves, uh, you know, 15% or so. Uh, now we're entering a level I'm getting interested again in uh, miners. Uh, I said between 28 and 26, I'm thinking more towards 26. I've started to nibble on a few miners and I'm looking to add and I'm also looking to uh, buy physical. There could be one more low in gold. Um, I'll try it around the um, 1803 level. We actually made a new low today at 14, and uh, I'll be going into some silver miners as well uh, over that time frame. So uh, I'm looking for buying opportunities here. So I was negative early mm -hmm. before it topped, um, but you know, patience pays. And that brings me to another teachable moment. So we're all taught to be patient, to wait for our levels to take trades. Okay, the second part, when you get to your levels, stay patient and don't go all in. Mm. It's easier to add than it is to take positions off. So start small and see what the market does. If it's confirming your case, you add on. If it starts performing, you add on. And uh, don't go all in. It took me uh, really a career uh, to learn to go small initially on my ideas because I have a tendency to be a little early. But uh, I'm looking at uh, GDX being a, a buy at uh, 26, a strong buy. So I'm going to attempt it uh, because I believe that rally that we had over the last year was uh, an important rally. And I'm viewing this, like I said, the difference between this February break and the one I learned about the February break, gold was in a bear market then. I don't believe we're in a bear market. Uh, I believe the dollar's in a bear market, although I'm being tactical about corrections in, in the dollar. And I think that uh, a bear market in the, in the dollar and higher precious metal prices and precious metal assets still makes sense to me, especially after a pullback like this. I think they're uh, great values. 
So, so that's interesting. Let's and and I know we we briefly touched on the currencies, but I think it's worth really drilling down on this because I always remember I interviewed Peter Brandt a long time ago, and he's like, I got to get the dollar right, otherwise nothing else I'm thinking about works, or I I don't feel as confident in it. I, I thought that was so interesting, and I always remembered that. So. There's a, this is another area where I think there's a lot of disagreement. We have people saying the dollar's peaked, and then we have people saying like maybe generationally peaked, and it was kind of even overextended as as high as it got. And then there are other people who kind of feel like that dollar wrecking ball theme is still in. I mean, Michael touched on it yesterday um, because there are all sorts of maybe geopolitical reasons as well. So it's not just inflation. It's not just Fed policy. It's geopolitical. Um, we know that the slowing economy is going to feed into that too, but price action, what are you looking at for the dollar? And then walk us through that sterling again, because I know this is a trade that you've been in and out of and, and are watching keenly. Okay. Uh, if you put the sterling chart up there, in fact, a viewer last time on the 7th asked me, I shaded that area. It was after a pretty directional break in cable. And he, his question was, uh, am I too late to buy the dollar by selling uh, the pound against the dollar. And I said, wait for a rally to 122 to 122.50. So you had two opportunities, the first one at 22 uh, and the next one at 22.50. I still think there's downside left in, in cable. Um, I, I think the 118, 117.80 level is going to be critical for it to hold. If not, I think we could be looking at 112. But, you know, I've been trading both sides of the dollar. And there are days when the S&Ps are down 60 handles and the euro's down 40. And I go, wow, you know, the dollar is not really not catching a huge bid during risk off. Mm. And even today, euro fought its way back from being lower on the day. So uh, right now, the market is saying the tough money is on the long side of the dollar. Because uh, it's this correction in in euro from 110 to 106 has taken weeks, and you know what have we lost? 400 pips that used to happen in a week during a bear market in euro. Yeah. So uh, actually, I think it's reinforcing longer term trend. I think Dixie could get to 106. I'll still give it the benefit of the doubt now against 103. And uh, you can now lower your stop if you shorted cable up there to above 22.50, pull it down from 24 and a half, which it was. But now we have a lower high to play against. And uh, I'd cover shorts and get out of the way over 22.50. But okay. thinking that there's still uh, some downside left. I love that. So uh, rallies. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. We've got so many, so many great folks in the chat. I just want to shout out to Andre, who's uh, tuning in from Portugal at 9 p.m. I hope to get to Lisbon at some point. I'm guessing. I know, Andre. Hi, Andre. Oh, okay, great. Um, and Max is, in, Max is in the questions. We've missed you, yeah. Max. I'm glad to see you. I'm going to get to yours in a minute. want to ask first, um, John has a comment, and I'm just going to comment on this and I'll move on. Um, Maggie Dale, how can we always question the quality of Chinese data, but U.S. data is constantly being redefined these days? Any comment? Dale, I don't know if you have a thought about that, but I will say, John, really interesting. If you haven't already, watch Andreas's entire 
uh, breakdown of how he gets that. Um, you know, we, do, you know, I, I'm not going to speak as an expert on Chinese data. However, I think the concern is that it, there just isn't any. It's a black box, right? They just don't report. There's no validity. You don't get the frequency of the numbers in the granular way that you do here, flawed as they may be. And what that's another bearish influence coming into the markets now. Uh, everyone bet big on the reopening, yeah. and they they have problems. In fact, the population I was talking to is someone where they have like this white paper protest. They don't say anything, but the people go out with a blank piece of white paper, which means we don't approve of Xi. Mm. And it's happening all over China. And China is having some problems with uh, the reopening. Mm. And we were counting on China to be an engine of growth to pull us out of uh, what's happening here. And uh, I wouldn't count on China to be uh, a, an economic growth engine. Interesting. And there have just been personnel changes, further consolidating power. So I think that the difference um, that we've been hearing from people is just lack of data, if not um, burying data, but just lack of data, lack of complete lack of transparency. And then um, Andreas does a really good job of showing how the COVID uh, three years of lockdowns, especially when you're looking at January data, really skewed some of those seasonal adjustments because it just okay. threw it so out of whack. So he strips yeah, it out and tries to explain it. He really, he really breaks it down, John. So I think you'll find it really interesting. That's at least the explanation as to why the U.S. data has been acting potentially squirrely. Uh, that is not a technical term. That is my term. But uh, but he does a, he does a great explainer on it. So I encourage you to do that, and then you can come to your own conclusions about China. But it's it's the total lack of transparency. I would say. Um, uh, question from Oliver. What are your favorite, Dale, what are your favorite things to trade for short-term trends right now? Uh, currencies are very good trading instruments where you could drill down on short-term time frames. But to me, there is no favorite thing. Everything has a setup. And in fact, uh, what I recommend people do is we tend to have biases depending upon the title of the chart. And the best way to be unbiased about what's going on in the market is cover up the title and then just trade the price action that you're seeing. So to me, a chart is a chart is a chart, and the only difference is leverage and beta. So, you know, I, I'll trade anything that moves. Great. A great lesson and a great trick. Um, it's it's old school, right? But don't let your don't let your narrative um, and people are really, really sort of married to those narratives. So it's really hard to resist that. Matt, first of all, Oliver's saying, sounds like I picked the wrong week to stop drinking again. I feel you on that, Oliver. <laughs> I really do. Uh, and Paul saying, Dale is the Dalai Lama of traders. Um, we agree. Wow. Thank you guys for that feedback. Uh, Max asking, Dale, are you watching semiconductors after NVIDIA's earnings beat? Do you drill down into sectors, Dale, or is that not yeah, your jam? I do. I, I didn't take a look, but the semis have been the, one of the hottest uh, areas. And uh, my associate, Mike, today said the video was really the thing that held up the market before the market came back. So uh, they they tend to lead. They've been outperforming. Uh, but again, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking profits. If you've been long semis, you're doing pretty well. Take Absolutely. something off the table and trail your stop. Absolutely. Because if Absolutely. we are going to have a melt up, that's going to be the leader. And then if we're right about uh, rates pulling back, Semis have done pretty good with rates going up. They pulled back yeah. a little bit, but if you know 
we could have rates go down and maybe it's not because uh, the market's going down. Maybe the market's going to love a fall in yields. That's just something I'm thinking about that it may not, but it could, and that could give us our rally to 4,300. So. Excellent stuff. So uh, we, we still have questions coming in. We're going to have to hold them. We'll have Dale back. Don't worry. We're going to have to hold them to next time. We've already run out of time, but so many, so many great uh you know, levels to watch as always with you, Dale. But I think the the takeaway for me, the really big takeaway for me is really watching for that potential transition from keying off the Fed, it being all about the Fed. Are they, are we repricing for higher, for longer, or for more aggressive action, for more <clears> rate cuts, or are we going to get a pause, which has really driven things to now worrying about that recession, maybe worrying about that growth and what that means. And the fact that's not really priced into equity markets, if that looks like it's coming to fruition, uh, looks like you're looking for buying opportunities in gold again. Um, yeah. And obviously the short-term opportunities remain in currencies. Okay. Can I ask you one question, Maggie? Of course. Would you like to ride in a beautiful balloon way up in the sky in a beautiful balloon? I love it. Huh? I get serenaded every time. So huh? Last time you remember, we had uh, um, Dale's karaoke um, king. Yeah, he, this was fifth dimension. Uh, you know, I, 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 I just I can't help myself looking at all this balloon stuff. I've been asking people if they want to go for a ride on my beautiful Maybe balloon. Out of here. I can come in. <laughs> All right, Maggie. <laughs> that was Thank you. awesome. That was great. Well, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna have to get you at a live event or a meetup, Dale, and put a mic in front of you. We'll we'll, we'll, okay. we'll throw entertainment in. By the All way, right. there are some meetups that are gonna be happening, people. Keep your ears open and join us at one of them. We're gonna be coming to a city near you if you're a member. Um, this was so fantastic. Couple things to put on your radar. Uh at the, you're going to want to stick around because at the uh, top of the hour, five o'clock, Raul is going to be doing an AMA. That's right. Ask him anything on all things NFTs. He's going to elaborate on the big think piece he recently posted, his investment thesis around NFTs. Spoiler alert, NFTs are not just JPEGs. You're going to want to hear his thinking around this so you can at least sort of be educated about the space, even if it's not something that you want to dabble in yet. I'm really looking forward to it. I got a lot of questions. And then uh, Daily Briefing, extended Friday. We will be coming to you with Jim Bianco tomorrow. And so we'll keep digging into some of this, including the questions and the point that um, Dale, the big takeaway from Dale, we'll be sure to tackle that with him. So we hope you can join us for that. Again, scan the QR code so that you can join, be a member so that you can hear the second half of that conversation. Uh, so a lot coming up. Uh, thank you all for the fantastic questions today, Dale. It was wonderful to see you. Take care and good luck out there, everybody. Always enjoy. Great to be part of your mission to keep people edified, Maggie. Thank you. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.